Ninjas vs. Monsters, starring Alexia, written and directed by Justin, is now available to buy at ninjasvs.com. That's ninjasvs.com. Or you can rent it on iTunes or Xbox or Comcast, wherever you do that stuff. So go to ninjasvs.com or rent it, buy it, check it out right now. Just check it out. It's even got on the DVD at ninjasvs.com a commentary that's basically a Trek off show with me and Alexia just talking over the film. So go to ninjasvs.com. You really want to see this one. Ninjas vs. Monsters at ninjasvs.com or rent it on Xbox, iTunes, or Comcast. Okay, enjoy the show. Warning, the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. It's time for Trek Off. Enterprise Double D's. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. You sound sick. I don't understand. It's been a full 10 days since we recorded last, and yet you sound like it's just the next day. That's funny. That's weird. It's almost like it's almost like it actually is just the next day. Just the next day. (laughs) It's just the next day, guys. That's the that's the whole thing. Um so if I make uh, weird noises, it's because I'm I'm uh, I'm eating sour patch kids because they make me feel better. Do you usually eat candy while we eat while we record? I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Do you usually eat candy while you I was, record? I'm like, I'm not sure what the right answer is. No, no the truth is no. Neither, <laughs> neither, neither do I. Except that I happen to be eating a bunch of Mike and Ike's right now. It's <laughs> just, I like like I drink, I do other things, but I I never really eat candy while we record. And I happen to have been eating Mike and Ike's. So it's so funny that you would say that. That's funny. That's such a weird coincidence. We're so the same. It's so weird like that. <laughs> oh, I've stopped. I've stopped. Boy, I keep hearing my echo though. It's amazing. I'm hearing um, my echo though too. So I don't know if it's maybe weird. the conference. Um, well, well, we'll keep trying. Um, so professional all the time. Let's, let's not talk about, it's so meta. Like let's talk about ourselves talking about the show. Now we're talking about ourselves, talking about ourselves, talking about the show. show. (laughs) (laughs) It almost reminds me of that one scene in Spaceballs, which I love. It's like my favorite. It's actually totally, it's my favorite. Where are we, sir? Now. What do you mean now? Where this is now, now. What is happening now is happening now. (laughs) I just love that shit. It's so good. At the time of this recording, I guess this will be a great place to start. Um, I read for the very first time that Mel Brooks has said that after Star Wars The Force Awakens comes out, he is making Spaceballs to search for more money. No way! That's what I heard. Oh, man. Um, it's, been, it's been a long time. That's awesome! I hope that's that awesome. he tears the prequels to fucking shreds. Me too. That's my hope. That's um, my hope and, as well. And I love the prequels. You know, I'm a prequel defender. I love them, but that doesn't mean that there isn't fun to be had. I mean, here's the thing. The the first movies were really awesome, but Spaceballs is hysterical. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's really funny, like, regardless. So I just, he, he's got a gift. And I think there's far more to be farmed from the prequels than there were yeah, from the original. Totally. Totally. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's just so, like, like who's going to make Yoda into yogurt? What the fuck is he going to do with Jar Jar? 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. I mean, that alone, that alone is reason <laughs> to see that. I'm choking well, on my mic and ice. We'll probably all come back in Spaceballs to the search for more money. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. So, um, but that is not the only news uh, this week. Uh, oh, so okay. this is uh, this is going to be way out of date because it's going to be a good probably two weeks old by the time you guys hear it. But uh which means yesterday. you'll probably have heard whatever the news is totally by then, so that means you'll have opinions about it already. Yeah, so that's yeah, not so, really a bad thing, right? <laughs> no, they won't have opinions because they won't have gotten them from us yet. Um, <laughs> stop, stop it. Uh, J.J. Abrams just did an interview about the Fork, for, fork Awakens. The yes. Fork Awakens. <laughs> yes, that's, that's actually, it's a misspelling that it says Forks. Uh, the Fork is talking the about the new is, lightsaber. The new lightsaber is called the Fork because it's got three fork. prongs. It's got three prongs. It's sort of like a farming tool, but, <laughs> but like a lightsaber farming tool. I mean, because that's what we would do, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's the future, man. Like, that so, shit's uh, everywhere. I'm going to go ahead and read this right off of uh, Collider.com. Um, he said, uh, "He said one of the major talking points in the wake of unveiling the first Force Awakens trailer revolved around the new lightsaber that was revealed. There's been plenty of passionate debate on the internet about the practicality of hilts on a lightsaber, and Abram himself hasn't been left out of the discussion. Now, what he's about to say, whether or not you're on the side of the lightsaber, it really is interesting because it makes it makes one rethink." the way they they think and talk about things like the lightsaber, which, look, we made a whole show out of it, right? Like, we got an hour-long show out of that fucking lightsaber. I'm, that lightsaber is the greatest thing I've ever seen because it created an hour-long podcast. So I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, um, but here's what it says. He goes, J.J. Abrams says, I will say that what's been funny is since the lightsabers come out, I cannot tell you how many contradictory emails I've received from people who have both defended it with unbelievably detailed graphics. I've gotten things that are nuts. I've got people who've shown how it'll kill you and it doesn't make any sense. It's, just, it's the funniest thing to see the arguments that have developed over this thing. <coughs> the article goes on to say, while Abrams declined to get into the origins of the lightsaber, saying it's a long story that he'll tell at another time, he assures fans that he and his team had the exact same debates when designing the piece of weaponry from JJ. It was a number of conversations that led to the design. It was a sketch that became a whole thing. And, you know, this was not done without a lot of conversation. And it's fun to see people have the conversation that we had, but in reverse. Now, I want to stop there. That's really interesting, like from the perspective of like knowing that they debated the lightsaber thing, knowing that they probably talked about the same shit that, that we're talking about. They had this whole fight that we all are having presently and then, about it. And then they did what they, what, and then they came out with it. And then and we then saw they did it anyway. <laughs> and then we have the fight back. It's it. I mean, it's really, and I'm sure that he's getting inundated both with the videos that show. I sent you a video on Facebook where someone's like, you could totally have this lightsaber. And here's where a guy like took the hilt and he painted it with wet paint and showed that like you could totally use it and be very effective. And there are probably an equal amount, if not more videos showing that that lightsaber just cut your fucking hands off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure that he is the proud recipient of all of those emails. Like both people who are like, no, man, your lightsaber is awesome. Here's why. And like, I'll kill you, JJ, because this is why I'm sure he gets both. <laughs> um, right. I mean, you would you would imagine. Um, I mean, I don't know if he actually gets those emails, but sure. I'm sure that they're brought to his attention. Um, that it's out there, I'm sure is. Yeah. He talks a lot about um, 
uh, the desire. I'll just go on to, to say what he's still saying. Um, I feel like the beauty of this age of filmmaking is that there are a lot more tools at your disposal, but it doesn't mean that any of these new tools are automatically the right tools. And there are a lot of situations where we went very much old school and, in fact, use CG more to remove things than to add things. There are obviously an enormous amount of CG effects in the film, and I can't wait for you to see the combination, but it was very important that we build as many sets as we could and the, the film have a tangible, sort of authentic quality that you believe that these things were actually happening in a real space with real sunlight. And if it were an exterior scene or if we could do a big portion of a scene and have not anything be a blue screen, do it where we could. It was a very important piece of work. Um, uh, he goes on to talk about... Um, Episodes eight and nine, he goes, I wouldn't say eight and nine are my baby. Uh, uh, Ryan, um, um, who's, you know, Ryan, oh, what's his name? Ryan Wilson, maybe? I forget the guy's name, but the guy who's making it, um, uh, the guy who made Looper, he goes, uh, we'll be working on it on at least eight, but I'm exec executive producing both of those. Um, now, here's on to the other piece of information that, uh, that we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, where he goes, uh, he goes. Finally, um, we know we talked a couple of podcasts ago about um, Bob Orkey or Bob Orsi, whatever his name is, leaving Star Trek Three, the new Star Trek Three, um, and it's come out since then that Simon Pegg is co-writing it, huh. um, which is interesting, um, and I'll get into why it's interesting, but. Uh, um, when asked, JJ said, Peg and I had talked quite a bit about the story. He has a lot of wonderful, uh, wonderful ideas. It just sort of felt obvious that he would be a wonderful person to work on the story and help craft the story, so he's working on it. Because JJ is still executive producing Star Trek Three, even though someone else is, Justin Lin's directing it. Um, that's an interesting piece of information. What do you think about Simon Pegg co-writing Star Trek Three? I'm not sure, man. Like, I'm, I'm like genuinely like, I don't, hmm, you know, because... I I thought you might be. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, because like, I love Simon Pegg. Like, I adore the man. Um, I don't know how into Star Trek he is or was or how relevant that maybe is. I think he really is. I think he's really a um, fan. And he's a writer. I mean, he wrote Sean. I mean, he wrote. I mean, yeah, he's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, it's not that I don't like his his writing, Like, but I've, but I've not seen him write something like this. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen him write comedy. And I like that, and he's good at it, and it's and it's entertaining. Um, so I don't know. Without I mean, look at, have you have you seen At World's End? Uh, yes. Um, you know he, you know that film is not just comedy. There's a lot of emotional truth in that film, and there's a lot of action, and there's a lot of sci-fi. I mean, he's clearly a geek. Like he yeah. clearly has a sense for that stuff, but there's an irony to what he writes. Um, I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like. Um, that the current state of Star Trek is still trying to find its voice. I mean, the big criticism, like Paul Sieber had the criticism, criticism, yeah, might have been a good movie, maybe it was an okay Star Wars movie, but it's not Star Trek. And I will say, um, whether or not I agree with that, because I think there's a lot of Star Trek in the new Star Trek movies, um, but there is not a lot to differentiate it from Star Wars right now. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, other than maybe it looks different or something, but it's like, it's... It, I wonder if, and I want to ask you what you think. I wonder if, because it's not going to go back to being cerebral like it was. It's just too much of a blockbuster right now to go back to being that. When it gets back on TV, maybe it will. But it won't ever go back to being what we liked either in the original series or Next Generation. It's not going to go back to that right now. So if it's going to have a voice that's set from Star Wars, what do you think about that like ironic voice that Peg can have? Mm, yeah. 
I don't think I would I would like that. Why? I don't I, it uh, What what I I guess what I'd like to see is the voice like I understand it can't just go be like, you know, a a super cerebral situation, but let me give you a good example, I guess. Like um I'm without having any spoilers necessarily about, you know, either Captain America or Winter Soldier. Like those are two very different films. You know what I mean? Like they're both good, I think. And I, mean, it's I, fair and to, I feel it's like fair there's to, it's fair to spoil them. I mean, it's it's I mean, sure, old. but I'm just saying like but but there's in like in Winter Soldier, I feel like there's still plenty of of action and blockbusteriness to it, but there's a, a much more interesting like you know spy and you know moral and you know intrigue compass going on like that's really the flavor of that film i feel like more so like the action is there to support it but it's not about that so what i would love to see in star trek because i understand okay at this point it's a blockbuster it's a summer blockbuster with the effects and the stuff and it's like okay and i don't mind that stuff necessarily but what i'd like to see is have, have it have the core of a star trek movie like let's get there and have the action support that. You know what I mean? Like like in Star Trek Six. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of political intrigue and a lot of you know s- emotional stuff going on, and there's still plenty of action. You know what I mean? Like so I th- that's possible. That concoction is possible, and that's what I would like to see because I I get that it maybe it can't be as cerebral as it would be as just a show because well, we don't have the long form but let's let's have that let's have that be at the core of it the the stuff that makes star trek star trek and still have the action like i believe that we can do that and that's what i'd like to see well in that in that case i mean it might be that simon Pegg is the right guy i mean i mean it, it's it's worth noting that the guys who wrote the first two star trek movies um which were great uh, which, which were fine into darkness has a ton of problems and we've beaten that to death but like star trek 09 that was a that was a decent fucking film like that was that that hit a lot of the emotional notes that hit, you know, the 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 casting was right. Every like a lot about that film was right. Criticism be damned. It's a good it's one of the better Star Trek films. Um, but I I would say it's worth noting that those guys also wrote like Transformers and like they are they are sort of more cerebral guy i would say that whether or not you like transformers and there are a lot of people who do i mean we it's fun to hate on transformers but like everyone that comes out makes more than the one that came before you know what i mean like so to a to a certain degree those like those films have an appeal but if i could say anything about those films i would say like wouldn't you say they're they're cold like they're emotionally cold wouldn't you agree yeah i mean there's so many things i don't like about those films um that I don't really like. But, like but the stuff. The, all, the only parts I like about it are are the nostalgia and and the Transformers. Um, the the misogyny bothers me uh, ex- extremely. And that's, that's, um, but that's that's, that's, that's all. The, that's all other Bay. stuff. That's Bayness. But in terms of the script, it's all sort of cold. It's all sort of rote and sort of you know. I mean, it's yeah. It's it's. There's nothing. The reason I bring that up is because um, Simon Pegg's films are all warm they're warm warm yeah fucking i would films. say like even yeah even though he's they're funny you know what i mean like he, there's definitely in all of them even you know Shaun of the dead there's heart yeah there's a and, ton of heart and i think that you know that that gives me hope in terms of him being involved that's why like that's why i'm not quite sure how to feel about it since you know my my um, sort of experience of him is is comedy well, in terms the thing of writing that, the- 
the um, thing that the thing that gets me excited about him um, is that one, he's used to writing low budget, character driven pieces, um, and yet he has enough confidence and enough chutzpah at this point that he's a big star that that he does his thing and he's like he's not going to be pushed over for anyone. And at the same time, you have you know the guy who's been directing the action spectacles of the Fast and Furious movies directing the film. So you might find a sweet spot with an awesome action director directing somebody who writes small movies with a ton of heart. That could and be good. Find, yeah, you could find that balance that I'm talking about. You know what I like mean? That, you got that Star Trek core, but you still got the action that you know you need to have at the you know to bring the, to make it a summer blockbuster or what have you. And and I think that I think that you know JJ was brought on to Star Trek not as a guy who loves Star Trek. Um, and not as a guy who felt like he had a ton to prove. I mean, JJ's kind of was already a mogul at that point. And Star Trek was a, was, let's face it, was at the time a failed franchise. It was a, it was a, an experiment to try and bring it back in the way they did. Um, what I wonder is Simon Pegg, as good as he is, and he knows how to write a good screenplay. I wonder if like this, he's going to see this as his chance to branch out and yet still maintain that irony. I wonder if it's going to be like the Avengers was for Joss Whedon, who's like, I'm going to take my Whedon flavor that people know, and I, I, I don't mind the Peg flavor making it into Star Trek, but then I'm going to make it very, very much the Avengers you were expecting and then give you more. Yeah, because I feel like here's the thing, like, Part of the charm of the original series, like I've always said, is that, you know, that they can go from having like this really intense shit that just went down to like a joke and it totally plays and it works. And and I feel like if anyone can pull that off, I'd say Simon Pegg has that going for him. Like, I feel like he has the ability to do that. And especially if he's coming from a place of being a fan, which seems likely he's he seems to be kind of a large geek, which is one of the reasons I really like him, um, that I think that that bodes well for the possibilities anyway I'm, I'm trying to not like i'm trying to rein back my expectations just because i really don't want to be disappointed but like well, i the, the interesting thing is that they're the the biggest change that they're changing it to scott trek um which is weird i thought it was where they call it scott trek the scotty of scott is what it's going to be called <laughs> that's the name of it now and i it's not. weird that they would change the name and call it that um Look, I don't think that he's going to be gimmicky. I think that there's a real chance he's going to be good. Um, and I but, don't think uh, he'll. And I don't know that he'll write it such that like that would be the like the my first if it was anyone else. I mean, really, for anyone doing it, that's like you know part of an ensemble. My concern would be a propensity to write oneself uh, sort of bigger, you know, in the story. But and he strikes me as the, he strikes me as the type that would then know that that's what people would be looking for, and then not do it. Yeah, like he strikes me as the sort that wouldn't that wouldn't do that. Like he, for whatever reason, like maybe you know, he's just something about him. He just seems like a I mean, fucking like a Riker. Dude. Riker did more in Nemesis than he did in First Contact or Insurrection when J when uh, Frakes was at the helm. You know what I mean? Like Frakes was totally fine with not having Riker be the focus. Yeah. So yeah, I hope I have high hopes, man. I I I hope that it. You know that they can do it. Um, I want to transition from that to uh, sort of our main topic of the day, motherfuckers. Um, uh, since we're talking about Star Trek Three, I thought it would be fun since we never really have to talk about Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Um, we've talked a ton 
about Khan. We've talked a ton about those moments at the end of Khan that made you cry. We talked a ton about the moments at the end of Star Trek Into Darkness that also made you cry. Um, we've talked a lot about Khan. There's been a lot of Khan speak. Um, but there's a movie that came after that I think that people like unfairly lump into the curse of the odd bad Star Trek films. And I think it's a pretty whoa, good point. Whoa, whoa, what? What? <laughs> well, okay. What? Okay, so well, maybe you, I don't maybe I don't because it's not a separate film in my brain. It's the continuation. Yeah. Like Star Trek two is Star Trek two and three. There's no Well, I mean, I think the thing is is that people, you know, people said two was amazing. People the four was the most, you know, financially successful and then after five did terribly but then they weren't even going to make six but then they did make six and six was amazing and then and then generations people had problem with but people loved first contact you know what i mean like by that point it was just like okay so everybody likes two four six and eight and nobody really likes one and nobody really likes five and people have a problem with seven no one really likes nine and i think unfortunately three gets lumped into there and I would say that this is a film, um, I'm going to come out and say it to start with, I revisit this film more often than I revisit Wrath of Hmm. Okay. Um, there's something, you know, Wrath of Khan's an interesting film. It's a, it's a, it's a character study. It's a revenge tale. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, a lot of like naval action, stuff like that. But the one thing Wrath of Khan is not is very science fiction. There's not a lot of science fiction to Wrath of Khan. Um, what I love about Search for Spock is this is a science fiction fucking film. You know what I mean? Like sure. it is like like I mean, we've got him coming back to life because his genetic material was on the planet when they launched. You know what I mean? The the experiment. Like think well, about thing- that. Like, what does that even mean? Well, at the same at the same time, like the the bad guy in Khan, for everything else that he was, he was human. Everybody looked human, just like wearing like stuff from a bad '80s nightclub. And and you get to (laughs) you get to search for Spock though, and now they're aliens. They're the Klingons, you know. And and yes, we saw them a little bit in Star Trek One, but these are, you know, these are the Klingons. Like we've never seen them. They've got a dog, and they've got Christopher Lloyd. they, They, you know what I mean? It's like it's it's it it's so science fictiony with the planet falling, but you know what I mean. It's like there there is there is a ton of this is like an old Star Trek episode. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it probably is. Like, and what I think is in, like one of the things that um, I mean, first of all, the idea of Spock sort of riding around uh, in McCoy is is just a beautiful thing. <laughs> like there's just there's no two ways about that. Like him having little spockisms along the way like just is delightful because of how much they always riff on each other. Um and then I think it brings up like you said very science fictiony like that idea because you've got, you know, Spock's b- body or, you know, for all intents and purposes Spock being reborn on this planet and going and essentially growing up um and what's weird is it's like he's an empty shell though like so there's this idea that there is an essence to a person a soul that without it the body is you know sort of just there like i think that's an interesting concept because you know science fiction you know we're always dealing with science and like that's one of those things that i feel like 
I feel like science doesn't usually tackle this idea. Like, I feel like that's sort of the, the purview, the purvey of, of like religion is the ideas of the soul and, and the continuation of human spirit beyond this existence. And it's not so much something we talk about in science. And I think it's interesting that it's in there. Cause I mean, this is before, I mean, it's still Roddenberry. This isn't, you know what I mean? Like I remember you saying, well, here's, the thing, here's the thing though. I don't, I don't know how Roddenberry this is at this point. I feel like I feel like at this point, Star Trek is firmly in the hands of you know being produced by Nicholas Meyer and directed by like I, I feel like it is firmly in the hands of Meyer and Nimoy and Harv Bennett at this point. I feel like Roddenberry is is sort of a he's a consultant, but it's just kind of yeah. I don't think that he's involved. Um, here's an interesting fact. Let's just start out some stats for the film. Film came out June 1, 1984, 105 minutes long. What do you think the budget for Star Trek Three is, off the top of your head? I have no idea. I mean, I, I assume it's in the millions. Oh, of course, it's in the millions. Everything's in the millions. But if we if we were to say that, like, like Ghostbusters would be like thirty million, how much do you think like Star Trek Three would cost to make? I mean, I would think more than that, like maybe fifty. Sixteen million dollars. Wow. This film was made for nothing. For like nothing, like it's really interesting to go. Like if we were to look, um, and I am just uh, having a little bit of fun with uh, with Wikipedia while I look. So if you excuse me for a minute, I'm going to look up Star Trek: The Motion Picture. All right, Star Trek: The Motion Picture cost forty six million dollars to make. Star Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Cost eleven point two million. What? Less than less than a quarter of the cost of Star Trek: The Motion Picture. What's the reason for the discrepancy for the disparity there? Like what? Because most of the effects in Star Trek Two were just taken from Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Ah, so like they already <laughs> had those assets. Yeah, they so they they're a lot of the same effects. Um, but it's still amazing to think how low budget this film was. Like this is a low budget film um if we compare it to so this is 1984 if we compare it to the budget for let me just look up return of the jedi real quick right because that is you know the film that had come out the year before okay all right return of the jedi cost 42 million dollars to make about with the box office of 475 million so it did okay it did not um <laughs> this cost this cost a third of that. It only made eight eighty-seven million at the box office. But I feel like, does it seem like this was the one that was always on TV? Like um, I, I feel like I was always seeing this film in the late eighties, early nineties. No, I feel like I was always seeing. Well, I guess maybe together with Wrath of Khan. Like I said, like I don't. I've never. And this might just be because of the way I watch this movie. Like I can't watch one without the other. So like I just it's it's one movie for me. It's a it's a big yeah. long epic. For you, for you it's either it's either Star Trek two and Star Trek three or Star Trek two and suicide. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Spock is dead. Exactly. There is no reason to go on. Spock Why? is dead. You have the ra you have the razor in your hand deciding and then you see that Star Trek three is on right after and you're like, thank God. Oh, it's okay. I get, it's live, right. I get to live another day. He's going to come back. It's all right. It's totally all right. <laughs> um, I always do this, but for the plot, for those of you who haven't seen it, the plot of it is essentially um, in Star Trek 2, there was this planet called Genesis, and Genesis is this planet where essentially they took a dead planet and they brought it back to life with a magic 
torpedo. The magic torpedo, dude. Magical science torpedo filled with fairy dust. Um, <laughs> or tachyons, whatever. Or tachyons, um, whatever <laughs> makes life, okay? Um, so the so um, Spock's body is on that planet, and what happens as the planet ages, so does Spock. Spock has to get off the planet, or he's going to die. But the Klingons want the want that because that means with this one torpedo, they can wipe out an entire planet, and then it'll be their planet. Um, and so the Klingons come on, try and try and get the information from Star Trek's uh, Star Trek from that's his name, Star Trek from Captain Kirk's uh, a strange wife and a son who doesn't even know that he exists. Uh, and Star Trek Two, who you who you met in Star Trek Two, they're on the planet. You find out the Star Trek. The, I did it again. You find out that Captain Kirk's son uh, cheated when he made the planet and used something called proto matter, and it was all unstable. Um, they're down on the planet. Uh, him and a brand new actress playing Lieutenant Savick from Star Trek Two are trying to raise are trying to raise Spock up um, as he's going through what he's going through and going from being a baby to a child to a teenager to a man. At one point, I think it's clear that Savick does have teenage sex with Spock. Um, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. He clear? Go, he goes through the pond far. Here's two things. One, he goes through the pond far. Two, she's like, come here, I'll take care of you. Three, he's not going through the pond far anymore. And four, in the uh, either deleted scenes or the novelization of Star Trek Four, she's pregnant with Spock's child. Shut the fuck up. Yep. No way. I totally yep. never, ever, ever, ever knew that. Ever. He goes. He goes through the pond far. I mean that. That part's clear. Yeah, but I thought she just did some like meditating. You know, fucking. You know. She did meditative fucking, just like you said. Stop, stop. <laughs> she, that's exactly what she did, meditative fucking. That's what it's called. It's a, it's a technical it's a, term. It's when you, it's when well, you do a mind meld. Mind, mind meld. Mind meld fuck. Mind, mind, mind meld. Mind, mind meld. Yes, it's, it's my favorite Star Trek sitcom, Mind Meld. Why do Klingons? <laughs> Why do Klingons always have a talk? I don't know, Jerry. Um, so, uh, the- <laughs> whoa, <laughs> just off the fucking rails. Welcome to track off. <laughs> just went really way out there. Um, no, uh, I, did, I I thought she just was doing some seriously. I just no. thought it was you know some Vulcan meditative practice to like calm him oh, yeah. the fuck down. I didn't realize it was like, okay, come here, stick your penis in me so we can deal with this. <laughs> like- yep, it's just logical. I mean, I guess if you think about it, like, yeah, why? Like, we're the ones who, which is why you attach which, which, all this stuff to sex. So I guess, like, yeah, I guess there's a certain sort of sense to that. Like, logically, you're going through this physiological issue, and the cure, and the only cure is m- more pussy. Um, yeah, the well, only I cure. I, that, that, well, you see, I think I think that what happened is that the reason that Kirk is actually so smart um, is not that he was smart to start with, but when he was in Starfleet Academy. He took a lot of logic classes and they got laid by telling everybody he was going through the pond far. And the only logical, the only logical thing to do was to have sex with him right now to save his life. And of course, people were willing. Um, you know what? Yeah, I, I wish we could have an episode where Kurt goes forward in time and ends up on Risa. And just, <laughs> and just, and, and while he's there, to everybody else on Risa, like they, he would get all of the play. It would just be it's just, for like when how it's, long I, he was there. I mean, seriously, that thing would be 
covered up like New York after Spider-Man. It would just be gooey strands <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it would it would be like that scene in the second Hobbit movie with the spider webs. It would just, oh. it would just be jizz. Jizz everywhere. everywhere. It would, they no, changed the name. Here's the thing, no. They, they, they changed the name to Jizza. That would be the name. No, because here's the thing. Risa, since it's designed to be a jizz planet, you have to imagine that they have technology that actually, like, you know, like the Poobie Gone and whatever that movie was with Jack Black. They, like, sprayed it, went away. Like, there's, they have a vast network set up on Risa that that it got overloaded man it got overwhelmed that, that, that just dis- disintegrates the, the you know or were, like puts it out into space or whatever all the jizz or or man. even better it recycles the jizz and that's how they um that's what they do for like the the food replicators and stuff that's really that's so that's, everybody's eating that's re- yeah that's reconstituted jizz dude like that's what's holy what that is <laughs> no man i just i just imagine he shows up and knowing what's available to him on the planet i just think he starts going off like a fire hose like everywhere <laughs> everywhere i mean like, I, I mean i i, I really I, I'm seriously, he's just, he's just there. And I think he overwhelms the decision. I think that those, I think those blue oceans are white when he leaves. I mean, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know what the thing is? I think that Kirk got laid a lot less in the movies and that's why he started gaining weight. And I think, <laughs> and, I, and I think that, I think that what he happens is that next exercise, that's how, that's no, 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 it's not fat. He's, he's blowing up like a balloon full of jizz. And so when he, when he shows up on Risa, it's like a fire hose everywhere. And then when it's done, he's no, back to 1960s Shatner. It's no. like, it's it's like <laughs> deflated. He's like, he's like deflated and, and everyone else is like just stuck somewhere on something. It's just like it's they changed the name of Rice to Flypaper and they're why'd you change to Flypaper? And people just go, Kirk. Like, oh yeah. Uh, Alright. Uh, all right. Um back to Star Trek three. Uh, <laughs> I seriously though, seriously, I seriously and maybe this is because, you know, like I watched it as a child. Like you you notice how you do that, like when I like I, there are many an 80s song that I will listen to now, um, because obviously I love 80s songs. Um and I'll have sort of be listening to the lyrics for like the first time because when you're a kid at least when i was a kid i didn't listen to the lyrics right like i just sang that shit and it was catchy and fun and when i listen to the lyrics of some of those songs now i'm like whoa that's fucked up damn that's really fucked up like so i just this is one of those moments for me because like i it never it was they didn't have like i cannot believe it but like now that you've said it yeah Oh, yeah, I feel now I have it. to go back and watch it. I, yeah, no. I need to like see between the scenes, so to speak, because I just that never ever occurred to me. Oh yeah. That she had sex with him. Oh yeah. Like no, not no. for a second. No, he he lived double long and prospered. And he definitely <laughs> prospered, maybe twice. Um, so, so, I mean, yeah, yeah honestly, um, they, they eventually change it, but she actually starts the movie as Kirstie Alley, and then after that scene, she was Robin Curtis. That's what happened. And then they were just, oh, just put her in the first half of the film. But that's what really happened. That's the story. Nobody knows that. But it's the, un- uh, the unwritten story. Spock has, Spock has the power to change people from one actress to another another with the power of his logic dick with the um, power of his logic cock that's logic cock <laughs> his logic cock <laughs> he rocks out with his spock out um of course so, he does 
Yikes! Where? What have we done? Like, where have we gone? Know. Okay, so I, stop. Let's let's reel it back. And yeah, we're trek off, guys. This is what we do. This is what life. we. This is what yeah. happens sometimes. Like, we just fall into a filthy, filthy hole. This is why you're the yeah, just like Spock did. That's um, right. <laughs> that's what he said. Um, um I uh, that, it's a thing, man. Hashtag that's what he said. Um, uh, Christopher so, Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Um, is in Christopher there. Lloyd is good in this movie, and. Here's the thing, like I'm not so sure about your whole theory about this not being because like this is this is the whole you kill you Klingon bastards, you kill myself. Like it's huge. No, I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying that I disagree with that. I I told you this is like I Star Trek six and this with the thing. So I don't know that that you're right about it being kind of relegated to the the odds not being so good because like everybody knows that line. Like it's that's that's like some that's some classic iconic shit right there. I agree with you. I agree with you, but it's it is seen as inferior, and I and I just have to say that like the Khan, I like the beginning of Khan. The end of Khan is very emotional. Um, it's a good watch, but this I think has more rewatching. This has more staying power for me. I feel like there's more more going on thematically. I feel like there's more going on for all the characters. I mean the the escape with the ship. And we didn't even talk about that. The escape, like how they hijacked the enterprise um, and shut down the Excelsior and, you know, and Uhura seducing this guy and, and, you know, like how everyone is dressed awesome except for Chekhov and just like how, um, like all of it is, is like everything on the star base is also great. Everything with bones is great. It is. Um, Although this is something I always wondered about because yes. he, he's got Spock in, inside him. <laughs> everyone in this film, man, everyone has Spock inside. Ooh, him. Everybody does. This is, that's the kind of film. That's why it's the search for Spock. Who's he in? Um, so <laughs> who's he gotten into this time? <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, go on. Go on. Okay, seriously. Okay, he tries. He tries when he's leaving. He tries to um to welcome negative some jokers and it doesn't work. Um is that something he can be taught? Like it, it occurs to me then there must be some sort of metaphysical aspect or something to, to the that. Vulcan pinch yeah because except, it except that data does it in Which uh in that's what I'm saying. like that doesn't track so well maybe he just can't do it right like maybe you need a certain maybe you need a lot of strength like data ah. has android strength and spock has spock vulcan strength, vulcan strength so maybe bones like, is just a human yeah so or, maybe like maybe to get and to, to like get into the i don't know no, actually, that's that, no. You might be on the right track there. That makes sense. Like that sure. could totally be it because he intellectually, like, since he's you know got Spock's you know experiences and Spock's you know know how, like he can do it. Like he can actually perform it correctly, but he doesn't have the base physical strength on his character sheet enough to pull it off. That makes sense. That totally works. All right, please continue. I'm sorry, my dog's going a little nuts because I think Mr. A just got home. Hi, Mr. A. Um, he hasn't come through the door. She's still being her little her little Shih Tzu guard dog self, which is 
hysterical because she's tiny. <laughs> I feel like we be we would be remiss before we uh before we get to the the end of the movie because there's so much that happens. I mean we I we I know we've talked about Krug as like one of the great Klingons because every Klingon from that point forward is based on him. Like everyone is based on him from there forward. And he does have a certain honor to him. He and yet he's also very much a mustache twirling villain, you know you know, get out of there, get out of there. You know, it's like, like it's like, there's, 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 you know, he is evil and yet like, he's a good like nemesis for Kirk. Um, and certainly David's death is tragic. It's the best acting that, that Shatner ever does in any of the films. Um, his falling down and missing the chair, you know, you know, you killed my set. That's like, that's almost makes up for the terrible acting he does in the end where he's like, I have had enough of you. you know, um, <laughs> Stop it. We, don't, we do not speak ill of Shat ever. I'm not speaking ill of Shat. No, no. He, he, the thing he has, when he has good acting, he's really good. But when he has bad acting, he's astounding. Um, so like, there's nothing. I have no problem with that. Um, I, I think that that we would be remiss, though, if we didn't talk about the 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 biggest tragedy of the film, um, because evidently we have to have tragedy at the end of Star Trek two and three, the destruction of the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was huge, man. That was that was that was upsetting that the yeah. Enterprise would be gone and so gone that it's not even in the next film until like the last yeah. 10 seconds. Like yeah. it is gone. There is no coming back from it. Um, yeah, I'm glad no, that going to repairs. There's no, it'll take me three weeks. <laughs> there's none of that. It's yeah. gone. It's I'm glad. I'm glad they did it. And I'm glad they did it the way they did. I'm glad they didn't do it. Like it got damaged in a, in a, in a space battle or something, because that's the one thing they always threatened. Like they, they, there's always that threat. We're going to blow up the ship. And, and, it's a threat they use a lot more in next gen. It feels like in next gen, they're always threatening to blow up the ship. Um, <laughs> it does uh, seem like they're a little ship happy, like a little blow up the ship happy. Like it's like, dude, just calm down. It's like, oh man, that's to be calibrated. Well, we can blow the ship up. Oh, set, whoa, 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 calm down now. Let's just set auto construct, uh, auto auto destruct Picard Alpha Alpha Tango. Confirm. Yes, they're blowing up the ship, Captain. Yes, they're out of sorry and brandy. No, sir. No, no, no. Sir. you no. can't blow up the ship for that. I will not. No, we must blow up the ship. We, we cannot. We cannot let this ship fall into enemy hands, sir. There is no enemy. Stand. There's no enemy. There's no enemy. Someone took the brandy. You know, it's like. But, we have been compromised. But I think that much like I think that the death of Tasha Yar, um set the tone for all of the rest of next gen that anything could happen to anyone. Anybody could die at any time. Cause you can always go, well, they did it to Yar. I think the destruction of the enterprise was such a powerful thing that they did that it made it very tense whenever they ever had to do it again. Does that make sense? Like I think for the rest of Star Trek now, when they set self-destruct, you're like, fuck, it's going to happen again. Yeah. It had gravity to it. Like, I think that they, like, I, f I feel like, Every time, obviously, before that, like, we was, you know, averted Reddit, the one second mark was one of my favorite parts of uh, <laughs> of Galaxy Quest as well. <laughs> like, when they get their way early, <laughs> they, uh, and then they, they, it's like, why isn't it stopping? <laughs> Which, by the way, if anyone out there hasn't seen Galaxy Quest, oh my gosh, do now. It's incredible. 
Um, but that's like, does that get your heart? I know it's not going to do the same thing as watching Spock die, but does that get your heartstrings too? Do you well up a little? Yeah. I mean, and I think I well up. What's interesting is I don't think I'm, it's not because it happens. It's more their reaction to it. happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, my, it's my, their, God, my God bones. What have I done? Yeah, it's their emotional like attachment to because like yeah, I have an emotional attachment to it as well. But like, I feel like we'll just build another one. It's fine, right? Like, like this should be fine, right? It's just a thing. But like, it's so much more than a th- like for like what it occurs like, um, you know, sort of their reaction to it. It's like blowing up your childhood home. Oh yeah, you know. But it's like, really important. What's important about it is that that leads to the Enterprise A, and then the creation of the Enterprise A leads to the concept that you can have an Enterprise D. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like like it's it's an important it's it's a a, a phenom- I would say that in the history of Star Trek, it's more important than the death of Spock because, frankly, by by Star Trek Six, the death of Spock might as well not have even happened. Like it's it's totally kind of done with and over. It's he died, he came back. But the the destruction of the first Enterprise and the concept that that you build another Enterprise and that the Enterprise is now the ship itself is generational, um, I think is huge. Yeah. Like I think I think that that is that that is the precursor to having a next gen era uh, Star Trek. Definitely, um, and I don't even know like if that's like is that I know a lot of the stuff that they have is you know sort of. Uh, based on like sort of naval convention um and i don't know if they do that like with a shit like with with ships that have either been destroyed or like if they get do they get retired do they just do they, do they just bring that does that name just go away have do they have multiples like i don't know if that's if there's any precedent for that or if this was they were just like we can't not have another enterprise like we we had to destroy it like we needed to do that but we can't leave them without their ship it can't be a different ship it wouldn't work and that is what led us to having um you know iterative and iterative enterprises i don't know i don't know how navy works do you know someone out there does someone listening right there knows so let us know yeah i'm Uh, curious about that like i wonder um so listen uh for those of you who are out there who are like next gen fans, because um, we'd spend a lot more t- time talking about next gen era stuff because frankly, there's a lot more of it. Um, but this is a film that I know people skip over. I know people see this one. Then I the, can't imagine. I don't understand how. I just that, you know why? Because because this film doesn't have that thing, right? I can go. It's the con one. It's the whale one. I think people skip over six a little bit too. Uh, or it's six the, is like it's the Cleons killed my son. That's the one it is. Yeah, but but it's not. But it's not as it's not as identifiable to a non-Trek fan. Um, and to people who don't know, it's the oh, it's the obligatory. We got to get Spock back one. Um, uh, it's not the Borg one, or it's 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 one that's harder to qualify. And I think that now nowadays, when people are like, well, they're watching the new track, and maybe they're watching some some next gen stuff, and they might not visit the other mo- the old movies, except for maybe two, and then four if they're in the mood for a comedy. Might I suggest that you watch two, three, and four as a trilogy? Um, I feel four- you know I feel like that's actually a thing, like especially when. The sec- Inner Darkness came out, or maybe it was even after. I think they released Star it. As a, I, yeah, I they did. They as, released like, it. They called like, it like, as a pack, a three pack. Yeah, it was. It was the Kirk Spock 
trilogy or something. Which I actually, I, thought, I, I actually think six should be added on the end because I think thematically a lot of the themes are still there about like getting old. He talks a lot about David and six. I really think two, three, four, and six work as a four part. So, and I can easily skip Star Trek the Motion Picture and Star Trek Five. I can absolutely skip them. I watch them when I'm, you know, when I watch Star Trek One and Five, when I'm like, it's time to watch Star Trek One, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and pop in Star Trek Five because I gotta watch all of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean they're not my go-to's. That's that's true. Like they're not but, the ones I reach for. But I think I think that uh, I think that two, three, four, and five can, or two, three, four, and six can be watched as like one giant story. But if you want to watch as a trilogy, that that absolutely with with two being the action one, with three being the darker one, and with four being the comedy, it's the Back to the Future trilogy. You know, it's yeah. like, it's it's absolutely it's it's three different theme three different emotions to one story um i absolutely feel like it's it's worth a watch so star trek star trek three the the search for spock i'm sure we're going to talk about it more as we get uh to uh to the next star trek movie i'm very curious uh um and i'd love to talk next time about um the villain of the of the next movie because there's some rumors flying around but you can look them up and we'll talk about it next time but um for today man uh my name is justin and my name is alexia Trek off. Trek off, bitches. Boom. Mike and Nikes. <laughs> nom, nom. Nom, 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 nom. Bye. <laughs> so you just finished the episode and you're like, hey, that was fun. I'd like more Trek off to put in my ear hole, to put into my brain part. Well, that's really easy. All you got to do is go to trekoffpodcast.com. There's over a hundred hours of Trek off. It's free. Just go there, trekoffpodcast.com or search iTunes or whatever pod feed you use or trekoffpodcast.com. That's really easy. You can also like us on Facebook where you'll hear information about everything that we do. Like us there, especially hearing about trekoffmovie.com. That's our movie. We're making a movie based on this. The trailer's there. Links are there. Trekoffmovie.com. Trekoffpodcast.com. Thank you for listening and trek off.